Johnny Boy It's like a yeah. Western. It really is, except this is the exact opposite of a Western in terms of the fact that we are Eastern Coast people. Eastern so we can't really... and gay. Let's not let's not forget to remind the listener. Uh, we are gay. That's true. I don't, which is yeah. It, I'm it, just saying I don't see us gunslinging in the West as two gay people, you know? You know, I want to say never say never. I don't want to just, I don't want to, I don't want to pigeonhole us for our future. Right. But yeah, I, I, I'm not, I'm not thinking that. And if, if yeah. your um, welcome video in the Patreon was any indication yeah. of how gay you were, it's gay, <laughs> my friend. You are gay. It is gay. And it's gay just by yes. me simply speaking into the camera, quite frankly. It's- but yeah, that's where we are gotta, with us. If if any patrons if any patrons, excuse me, have not checked out John's welcome video, um, check that out if you have the time because it was great. And Thanks. I know we have just a, a news thing right up the top. But John, what are you drinking today for our case? Yes, I actually. So here's a funny little quick story. I won a raffle here in my hometown. Uh, Get this, it's a uh, like four hundred dollar Yeti cooler, and it was packed full of booze. So I, I know I'm like, of all this is a waste. What? (laughs) No, no, no. It's funny because of all people in this town to win a cooler full of booze, pick the guy who has a, has a boozy podcast. Um, that's true. That's true. You know, listen. Yeah, exactly. You could send some my way. I might. Yeah, there might be. I could probably do that because it's quite a lot. It's mainly full of White Claw. If I'm being completely honest with you, it's a lot of seltzers. I don't love those. I think you do, though, right? You like a White Claw. You or know, no? I do. I found out. I do. I, I like okay. a vodka soda. But the thing is, is that those drinks aren't made with vodka. They're made with malt liquor. Mm, that's right. That's right. The only one that's made with vodka that I know of, and listeners, please correct me if I'm wrong, is High Noon. That is made with actual vodka. So I do recommend oh, okay. that. Although that's they don't good... sponsor the podcast, but I'm just Yeah, saying. no sponsors, nothing here. So one of the things that was in my cooler is called Liquid Courage, Darren, and it is oh. sour, sour ale fermented with blackberries, vanilla, and lemon peel. I was like, okay. It is brewed and packaged by Antietam Brewery LLC in Hagerstown, Maryland, which is only an hour from where I'm living at the moment. And you can check them out at AntietamBrewery.com. They are not a sponsor. They did not send complimentary booze. I just frankly won this can of Liquid Courage, and I'm going to try it on the show. I'm going to open it right now, actually. I was going to say, because I actually left my beer in the other room. Can you hold on as you are entertaining the audience with the sound, and I will get it? Give me one second. Go right ahead. I'm going to vamp with into the mic while you're doing that. Listeners, first of all, I will say the smell is really good. Here, let me get a little bit more. Oh, did Darren just fall down the steps? Darren, you good? Okay. <laughs> no worries. This is actually kind of fun. Scene. I'm back. Okay, sorry. Oh my I god. To, like, okay. Rip, it, rip it's from its container and it was stuck somewhere. Okay. Okay. I heard you entertaining the audience, but Mama's back now. Daddy's back. Okay. Daddy's uh, back. Daddy's back, and Daddy is having. I was hoping we could like open them together, but I heard you open yours. I did. You know, sorry. I I need the sound effect. Mine <laughs> is a is is from Maui Brewing Company. I miss Hawaii so much. It is mm. a bikini blonde lager, uh, and oh. it describes itself as a clean crisp and refreshing it says refreshing it uh, refreshing it's a refreshing <laughs> is it it's refreshing? a refreshing hills perfect anytime <laughs> um but uh, it's crafted with passion from the heart oh. of paradise john so All right. uh, hold on a second hold on 
yeah. That was nice. Cheers to you. Okay, cheers. cheers. To you listeners. Yeah. Mm. I'm just I took a little sip while you were doing that. Um And how is it? It's good. I didn't I guess it's a beer, I just realized, and I thought cuz I thought it was going to be a seltzer, but it's a beer. Um oh. You yeah. know, beers aren't aren't my thing, but I will say the flavors like I just said, those blackberries, vanilla, lemon, all hit yeah. at the same time and they're really good. So I might actually drink my first I don't honestly think I've drank a whole beer in my entire life. Isn't that weird? That's like, did you go to college? You went to college <laughs> in West Virginia. What are we talking I know. about? My college is known for its party atmosphere. I was drinking a lot, but it was always liquor. I was like going hard. You were like lighting couches on fire. Yeah, I and was. You never finished a beer. Wow, wow, wow. I know. Isn't that? Sad? I will say, as I as I get older, I can't handle beer as much <laughs> because. You know, when I drink, I'm usually drinking to get a buzz, and I'm not going to sure. get a buzz from one beer usually. And so, I, it, you know, it takes a lot, and then it becomes more filling than it does. Totally, like, yes. You know? Yes, um, totally. Well, listen, before we get into this week's case, which I chose, and I can say why I chose it, you have a very interesting yes. and uh, hopeful, a very good update on the George Floyd case, so please enlighten us. That's right. Just minutes before we started recording today, some news broke on the George Floyd case, which, if you didn't know, was one of our uh, first episodes here on the show on Shaken and Disturbed just a few weeks ago. And um, it turns out the city of Minneapolis has reached a $27 million settlement with George Lloyd, I'm sorry, George Floyd's family. Um, They had filed a federal lawsuit in July against the city of Minneapolis and the four officers accused in his death. So um, this is separate um, from the actual criminal case where I think um, Derek Chauvin is one of the people that's going to be uh, on trial, so to speak. It says here, according to NBC News, um, the city of Minneapolis has reached a $27 million settlement with George Flo- George Floyd's family just weeks before the trial is scheduled to begin for the former officer charged with murder in his death. The city council unanimously unanimously approved the settlement Friday after adding the matter to its agenda for a closed session. The settlement includes a $500,000 contribution from Floyd's family to the community at the intersection of 38th and Chicago Avenue, now widely known as George Floyd Square. So more to come on this case, especially the criminal case that's about to go down. But listen, it's it's good news for George's family. It's good news for, it sounds like, the community especially. Absolutely. Um, any kind of silver lining like that, you know, we want to make sure we're updating you guys with. So, Well, this, this next case I chose. Um, if you've yeah. ever heard of the Black Widow, as I'm sure you can tell from our, our subject, uh, not only did I choose it because <laughs> it has my favorite color in it, but Black. because... This, it is Women's History Month, as, as we right. know, and, and even though we're middle of Women's History Month, um, I kind of wanted to take this interesting turn, and, you know, we've certainly talked about female murderers and female accomplices, and, you yeah. know, Eileen Warnos, you know, just to name an example, but, you know, this case is interesting because it involves a woman and her family, and I, I don't. I think a lot of people might know the name Black Widow, but they don't really understand the case as well. And mm. I was even surprised myself when I was really learning about her, uh, Judy Buenoano, bueno and just the weirdness of this whole case and the sadness surrounding it. Um, and then there's kind of a an interesting factoid at the end. Not a good, not a good factoid in terms of. I'm happy Mm. about it, but just kind of like some interesting history for you. So without further ado, here is the Black Widow. Kick us off, John. Yeah. And I also want to just say that I love this because Black Widow is an Avenger. 
so maybe there's something to learn here. I didn't think how long you didn't and hard think about that? that, and maybe I regret. <laughs> This whole dis- I was trying to educate the audience. Maybe right, right. I need to take a step back from this podcast. I apologize, listeners. No worries. Talk. Well, let's wait, get into the wait, case. It, yeah, go is ahead. Scarlett Johansson, Black Widow. She is. Yes. Now okay, you. Now you're all about Gryffindor. it, right? Yeah. Ten points. Okay. Yeah. Now ahead, you're like ahead. suddenly I love a, a multiple Black Widows. Yeah, I was like, oh, Black Widow. Widow. Oh, you can kill me. Uh-uh. <laughs> All right, well, let's get into the case here. So Judius yeah. Welty, a.k.a. Judy Bueno Anno, was born April 4th, 1943 in Quana, Texas. She's considered yes. one of the most bold and cunning serial killers of the 1970s and 1980s. By the way, Which already... Which is interesting because yeah. I had never heard of her, really. In Me the either. Judy, I never heard of Judius Welty before. You know, yeah. I think... Bueno Ano might be there uh, in the in the world, but I never really and yeah. I never really knew her whole thing. Yeah, you. well, female serial killers are just a little bit different than most anyway, because you know they tend to kill ones close to them. You know, a family member, a friend, a colleague, um, and like you said at the top of the show, like we've heard of a lot of them, but this one is somewhat new for both of us. Well, that's certainly the case with Ju- Judy Bueno Ano. Judy had a very difficult childhood. Her mother died when she was four years old and was passed around basically between relatives and also found herself in foster care. This is one of those things that's a really sad detail, I think, about, uh, you know, children that lose their parents young is there if there's not already a plan in place, and usually there isn't, you know, they sort of end up bouncing around families to family friends and sadly even get lost in the foster care system. It sounds like she was one of them. Yeah, and just even harping on what you said, and I know that I sort of I, I did the research for this, and yes, you know, it you was did. interesting because the female serial killers, you know, they're they're different because, like I said, you know, they you, like you said, they kill members close yeah. to them. And I thought about this for a while because you know how we always say that, like in a heterosexual couple, as like a generalization, the mm-hmm. man's most worried about being embarrassed, and the woman's most worried about being raped or killed or yeah. something crazy, you know, something terrible. And I really kind of wondered about the psychology behind it because there aren't a lot of female serial killers that are kind of just killing to kill, you know, when they see a victim on the street and they stalk them and they do that. And that might have to do with just brute strength. A lot of women uh, just in terms of biology might not be able to handle something that wasn't planned. But also what it says to me is that even though people, you know, take uh, Ed Kemper, for example, who obviously was horribly treated by his mother and sort of projected this hate of his mother onto killing other women. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, at least for this, from what I can see with the psychology of it, women, and and I probably don't have the right language for it, but like internalize it more. And so instead of saying like, yeah. a man raped me, I'm going to kill all men. It sort of seems like, no, I'm going to kill this guy. This and one this guy, guy right. wronged me. Yeah, this guy wronged me. And so this, it's like a more of an emotional response and less of like a psychological response. I, I, I don't know mm. if I'm necessarily saying that right, but. No, I get what uh, you're saying, it, yeah. And I, and I could be completely wrong, but I wonder if you know, all those things kind of tie together. It was very interesting for me to be reading Pot- about this. Potentially. And yes, as Darren mentioned, Darren, great job because you did all the research for this week's show the first Thank time. You. So congrats. Thank you. Yes. Yes. We have to, absolutely. we have a, we have to see how it goes. I'm growing. But... Yeah. I'm you're growing. growing up. You're I'm taking growing. on new, new positions here on the show. Yeah. Well, 
So more on Judy's backstory here. At the age of 10, she moved in with her father and his new wife and two stepbrothers and claimed she was beaten many times there. So, you know, she sort of enters into this finally at the age of 10. This is six years after her mother passes away. And, you know, she's surrounded by basically three males and she was beaten up, it sounds like. Yeah, and let me just say, I saw a couple different accounts of how many stepbrothers there were. I read Mm. one account that there was five, and then I read another account that there was two. But because they were step, there might have been a a different... They were my delineating of, like, how Mm -hmm. many stepbrothers she actually had versus how many she was living with. So I just want to... Not that yeah, it yeah. changes the story, but I just want to be factually well, accurate here. Yeah, yeah, you're not. We're not w- reading Wikipedia here, guys. Just throwing no, that out no. There. And I read, I cross referenced <laughs> multiple sources, but it's kind of hard to say. Uh, yeah, how many no, that she makes had. sense. Yeah. yeah, that's a good. That's a good thing to know. Well, by the age, oh, but she claimed though that while she was there, she was starved and forced to work like a household servant, which is so disturbing. Yes. By the way, I saw on TikTok a trailer for. A, I don't know if it's a documentary, but this idea that, and this doesn't have to do with people who are orphaned, but people who are young kids who are maybe have behavioral problems or are maybe gay sure. and their families don't want to deal with it. They send them out to these like camps, basically, where they're basically become like, you know, teen laborers and are forced to work. In under the guise of like a rehabilitation behavioral rehabilitation program. And it's really interesting and very disturbing. And I don't know much about it yet, but I have a feeling we're going to get into it in a future episode. I don't know how familiar you are with it, Darren, but. Well, remember when, again, I'm blinking on his name, which is so bad, but it was from Martinis and Murder, uh, maybe last summer, and we interviewed that author or the filmmaker, and he talked about that school, that disciplinary school that Paris Hilton went to. Yes. And I'm not saying that it was servant-like punishment, but it seemed to be very corporal and very uh, heavy-handed in terms of their punishment, so that's what it was making me think Yeah. Yeah, and so even this story, it's kind of calling to that. But anyway, by the age of 14, she had had enough and threw hot grease on her brothers. (laughs) Grease is the word, as they say. Burning them and was sent to a detention center, and she never returned home again. I mean, hot grease is one way to deal with it. My God. Yeah, and from everything (sighs) that I had sort of read about just her frustrations, it was like, Mm. listen, she was sexually assaulted. She was beaten. She Mm. was treated like shit. She was treated... Like the worst of, of of humanity, and so by being yeah. fourteen, which arguably you know you're still a kid, um, of course, you know uh, you're you know I uh, like not to be gross, but it's like at fourteen I was just getting my period, you know I was sort of right. just becoming no, this this woman, and so you 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 have all these mixed emotions. I can't imagine what it was also, like kind of growing up with this horrible thing, and yeah. so she kind of threw this hot grease as she was being forced to cook in defiance of this mm. whole thing. Yeah, this is very dramatic protection. Yes, it is. is. We're not even like, you know, 10 minutes into this yet. But anyway, despite her childhood, she ended up graduating from a reform school in New Mexico in 1959 when she was just 16 years old. So maybe it motivated her. She's like, let me get an education and get the fuck out of here. Um, Yeah. 
But then at 17, she became pregnant. And then in 1961, at the age of 18, she gave birth to her son, Michael. Not much is actually known about Michael's father. There seems to be a little bit of a mystery here, Darren. Were you able to find any additional details? No. And I couldn't, you know, also it's back in the day where the records, you know, weren't as kept. I tried to find a little something, you know, there's speculation Mm. about who it could be. It could have been a one night stand. It could have been the Mm -hmm. subject of a rape. Like there are a number of different accounts. And so I didn't really want to say conjecture. It still yeah, is sure. a mystery about who Michael's father is. Um, yeah. And we'll kind of get more into Michael in a little bit. But okay. So shortly after giving birth to Michael, she met a young Air Force sergeant named James Goodyear. And they quickly began a romance. She married him fairly quickly as well in 1962. So this was really within a year of meeting him. Mm-hmm. A few years passes by and she gives birth to two more children, James and Kimberly. And in the late 1960s, Judy and the family moved to Orlando, Florida, which made me think of where CrimeCon was supposed to be before the world <laughs> shut down. Uh, and the biggest disappointment of your career probably was that I we know. didn't get to go to Orlando for CrimeCon. I, feel I like, know. Right? But maybe, you know what, maybe CrimeCon will end up there again one year and Darren, you and I can go and we'll we'll live that life like we were meant to live in 2020. Because obviously Judy and the family moved there for CrimeCon. Let's be honest. Clearly. Clearly. She knew that we were going to cover. Well, the yeah. reason they moved was because her husband, Goodyear, as I had mentioned, had been reassigned to a strategic air command base at McCoy <clears throat> Air Force Base, which is today known as the Orlando International Airport. So okay. it, it was sign of the times a little bit. And yeah. it's important to note that Goodyear spent a year in Vietnam, uh, mm. but he, he came home in the summer of, of 1971. And obviously, mm. there's no doubt in my mind, this is pre-us now, but clearly we're still serving. Um, you know, we're yeah. the longest war of history right now. You know, there's no doubt that a soldier returning from war is going to have a number of ailments, okay? And this is important to kind yeah. of mention here. This sets the story, especially after Vietnam, which, as we know, was not only an awful war, but yeah. a politically charged one. And after a few months after Goodyear got back from war, this seemingly healthy man, a soldier, a young, fit guy, obviously with probably PTSD of some sort, but mm-hmm. I didn't really read about that, began to rapidly decline in his health. And he came down with very mysterious symptoms that the doctors mm. just really couldn't. You know, it was a little bit like you came home from Vietnam. Well, yeah. Of course you have shit wrong with you. It's Vietnam as opposed to potentially being something else. So while they were treating him... I think Vietnam was a little bit of an excuse to look for other things in this, as far as I could tell. Um, Sometimes wanting the answer so bad obfuscates you searching for the right answer. I think we see that a lot in in, in law enforcement. And by September, remember, he came home in July. So by September, literally, what, uh, two months later, essentially, just four months after coming home from Vietnam, or two months, rather, James Mm -hmm. Goodyear was dead. He died. And upon his death— Judy collected $28,000 in life insurance, and in 2021 dollars, I did the math, it equals $183,000 to $183,268,000. So a good chunk of change, if you will. Um, And let's not forget the VA benefits, of which she collected an additional $64,000, which in in 2021 equals $418,000. So literally, by his death... Judy is collecting uh, basically in what is today considered half a million dollars yeah, yeah. Um, by standards. And 
After Goodyear dies, she takes a family and moves from Orlando to Pensacola, Florida. You know, one of the things that I thought of as you were reading through this and giving us this, these details is, you know, when people came back from Vietnam, those those men and women all had so many serious health problems, mainly because of the Agent Orange that was used at the time, which was essentially poison. I mean, they were using it to, I guess, gas out, you know, the the enemy, if you want to call them that, through the jungle. But it was like a very poisonous gas. And, I, you know, I have a great uncle who was in Vietnam and probably other family members that I don't even realize. But my great uncle passed away at a pretty young age. And, you know, a lot of it was, con- you know, sort of contributed to his being in Vietnam and the type of work that he did and Agent Orange. And it's a really sad tragedy because, you know, if you know U.S. history, Vietnam was, like you said, Darren, a politically charged, somewhat senseless war that unfortunately took the lives and and changed a lot of people's families. Um, And the the reason I mentioned, and obviously we're going to move on with the case, you're going to see these these patterns here, but I think it just goes to show, I think some people after reading this case would be like, well, how come the doctors couldn't figure it out? And again, different time, to your point, when you're at war, it's kind of this Mm catch-all, you know, like he's got war scars as opposed to like, no, he was sexually abused when he was four or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that also is attributed to it, to, I think, the the awareness of um, mental health and, frankly, the Internet. Absolutely. Let's be honest. I mean, yeah. we are now able to consume and, and learn and educate ourselves exponentially more, you know, quicker than we did, you know, even a decade or two decades ago. So I think that's all sure. part of it, too. OK, well, yeah. let's move on here. So after moving the family to Pensacola, Judy meets a man named Bobby Joe Morris in 1972. So, Darren, she's moving right along. To the next As guy. you would say, it's a lesbian relationship. You know, they're <laughs> U-hauling essentially. Yeah. You know, it's very U-hauling quick. It. Very quick. That's right. Yes. That's right. Well, Morris needed to move to Colorado, and once again, Judy moves the family, this time to Colorado, right alongside him. A few years pass, and Morris begins to show some strange symptoms, much like the symptoms that Goodyear experienced just a year prior. And then by 1978, Bobby Morris is dead. Okay, so that was and, fast. And, and, and let me just set the stage here because she clearly yeah. has three children now. Right. You know, she has she has Michael from kind of this TBD source. We don't know this guy. Right. And then she has two two children with James Goodyear, James and Kimberly. So mm-hmm. she's taking her family and uprooting them every time, which can be traumatic yeah. for them in the same for way. Sure. You know, and obviously you want to be with your husband if they got to move for work and you're not moving, but it's it's a lot of disruption. And then not only does James Goodyear die, but again, Bobby Morris dies. So it's like, what the fuck is going yeah. on kind of thing, you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, doctors were probably thinking, was he poisoned? But they were mystified about his death. And the autopsy didn't show any arsenic in his body. Usually pathologists don't go and look for arsenic in the body because it isn't something you'd sort of take by mistake. According to the doctors, both Morris and Goodyear are said to have died from heart attacks. So that's another similarity that I'm sure, you know, for those of us, you know, reading, you know, doing the research here and looking at it years later at a podcast, they're like, hmm, what's going on with those similarities? And I thought about it, you know, for me, and this is, you know, we're fast forwarding here now 50 years later with all this knowledge and obviously know that this is the Black Widow. But if I'm looking at it, I'm thinking, like, this woman had two relationships of these guys that are dying by mysterious illness. But then again, I'm sure the police, 
again didn't didn't rule it as a as a murder. So well, they, they probably don't know anything. Yeah. Not only that, and she's also in two different states now. Right. So exactly. they're not task forcing with each other, being like, "Hey, Judy Buenoano, like, did she? Have, you know, right." She's sort of capitalizing on the sign of the times, if you will. It's a good honest. way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now, oddly enough, Judy had never married Bobby, but due to the law at the time, she was considered a common law wife and was able to collect on not one Darren, not two yeah. Darren, but, th- but three separate life insurance policies. And um, in Colorado, a common law marriage is established by the mutual consent of two people to be married and a mutual and open assumption of a marital relationship, meaning the couple holds themselves out to the public as being married. And that's always very tricky, you know. And I looked this up, right? Because I was like, wow, I wonder how she kind of like what is a common law wife? Right. Yeah. In Colorado and what it meant. And it's essentially like if you've made this public declaration Mm. that's can hold up in the court of law. And I don't know now what the, what the state is. Yeah. And I don't know if that's state by state, but at least in Colorado at that <clears throat> time, it was like, if they sort of held hands and said, you know, Judy's my partner, Bobby's my partner. That was enough right. uh, wow, for the courts that's a, at the time. That's fascinating. Yeah. Cause we've heard a lot about this life insurance stuff over the years in our true crime careers. And this is the first time I've heard of something like that, actually. And I imagine that one of these cases, I can't say this for sure, but I imagine that a case like this and more so probably changed the law of what was considered I'm sh- I would assume, spousal yeah. privilege in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, after Morris passed away, Judy moved back to Pensacola, Florida, and this time changed her last name to Buenoano, which is essentially the grammatically incorrect Spanish translation of Goodyear, last name of her first, which is the last name of her first husband. Well, I thought this was such an interesting thing, right? I mean, there's no to me, and again, can't prove this. Uh, she certainly was a, was was around pre me, but like she's laughing at us, right? I mean, mm. she's choosing this maybe this last name that's this representation of this husband that died. Like yeah. one, why change your last name at all? Right, right, of course. Two, why do it in this Spanish way that it's like, yeah, no, no one might tie James Goodyear and Bobby Morris. Uh, to Bueno Ano, Bueno Ano, mm-hmm, but like mm-hmm. most people, I think could say like, oh, you know, if they had till days, it would be Goodyear, huh? I thought that just, immediately, like, yeah. It, right, it's like it's like this lazy way to get away with it. Uh, That's it's, a good it's way very, to put it. Uh, very odd. Well, moving right along, and this is pretty sad. By 1979, again, they're back in Pensacola, Florida now. Right, Michael, Judy's son, who we learned about earlier, decided to join the U.S. Army himself, possibly. Bes- uh, inspired by Goodyear himself. Now, again, mm-hmm. Goodyear, James Goodyear wasn't his father, but he clearly grew up with him as being a father right. figure. Uh, you know, uh, Judy met him shortly after having Michael. Now, Michael began to come down with some distressing symptoms, oh, no. not unlike what we had seen before in Judy's exes. Now, granted, this is her son, her biological yeah. son here. And Michael became extremely ill and was diagnosed with arsenic poisoning, <sighs> which affected both his arms and his legs, causing paralysis, which is usually one of the side effects of arsenic poisoning. That's how we Mm. know. So he wasn't in the right health to serve in the army, and he was discharged um, and into the care of his mother, Judy. And Mm. due to his paralysis, he he required the use of heavy metal leg braces. Um, Okay. And it's important to note here that he used these leg braces. So it it was like he could walk, but not without the help of this. Okay. So he he wasn't like— 
yeah, it wasn't like wheelchair bound necessarily, mm-hmm. but it was like very little use of freedom. Of yeah, his like legs. he couldn't now, just walk across the room on his own. It sounded like right. And you know how kind of in Forrest Gump, how the kids yes. get leg braces to that's what I was thinking. Yes, it's kind yes. of like that from the pictures, but it's obviously okay. like Forrest Gump could walk, so it's a little bit right. more of a serious leg brace. But got it. So the very day that Michael gets discharged from the army and comes home. Judy arranges for her and her son James and Michael to go fishing and canoeing in Florida's oh, no. East River. By the possibly way. Possibly to get his mind off of it. Yeah. Possibly, but if anyone, I'm just going to say this based on all the things we know about Florida and the crimes that happen there. If anyone's inviting you to go fishing or canoeing in Florida, just don't do it because. Just say no. God only knows what's going to happen if you're on a fishing and canoe trip in Florida from the alligators and crocodiles alone. But especially every, other people. Every crime story starts of like, I started to go fishing in Florida. In Florida, yeah, yeah, exactly, 100%. exactly. Well, what happened out on the on the East River is up for speculation, okay? Mm. And there's a lot of different conspiracy theories. Judy says something different, but here's what I kind of picked up. Now, okay. It obviously can only be known by the people that were out there. But at some point on this river, the canoe capsizes. Well, see what I mean? Don't go fishing or canoeing. It'll capsize. A hundred percent. And Judy and James, her other son, were found by fishermen nearby. But Michael, unfortunately, when the canoe capsized, was anchored down by the weight of his heavy leg braces, and he drowns. Okay. Okay. So wait a minute. So, Judy's body was found by the fishermen, no, or they were alive. Judy, Judy, and James swam ashore. Oh, got to, it. According to maybe what we know, mm-hmm, swam mm-hmm. ashore about a quarter mile down the river, and uh, were found by fishermen. Okay. Got it. Then she points to the capsized boat. Now, got it. Police and Michael about a quarter mile up from where Judy and James were found, and it's a little bit interesting to me mm-hmm. that. They were found at a different spot. Uh, that, you yeah. know, I mean, granted, things shift, but this was a little interesting. Now, James, the other son, now, obviously, he's kind of this third-party witness to this whole thing. Yeah. And he has come out with a statement that said he has no memory of the incident because he claims he was knocked unconscious. Oh, God. We don't really know how. It doesn't really go into further detail about this, but he doesn't, he can't say what happened because he was He just doesn't remember. Unconscious. Yeah. And now, initially, Michael's death was ruled an accidental drowning. Canoe capsizes, leg braces weigh him down. Mm. And surprise, surprise about this, Judy, remember, he was in the Army, managed to collect on her son's life insurance policy because he was in the Army. And I just want to say, like, are we seeing a little bit of a pattern here with people related to Judy? Because I certainly am. I definitely see that. But I keep going back to the the tragedy, the sadness of thinking that Michael, with these heavy leg braces and arm braces, weighing him and sort of anchoring him to the bottom of that water. Ugh, that is such a tragic way to die. But yeah, I mean, listen, it's so easy for us now as true crime veterans to say, oh, look at all these life insurance policies she's collecting on. I mean, I wonder if life insurance people, you know, that work at life insurance companies sort of take note of this. I mean, if someone is collect, I mean, how many life insurance policies will a person, an average person collect on in their life? One, two, maybe, maybe Maybe. three, depending on, yeah. 
So for her to, even at this point, I mean, we're not even, I don't think, halfway through this this case, and she's collected on how many different life insurances. To me, that's a huge red flag. But that might just a red be Red flag, but not necessarily could be just a coincidence. Yeah, for sure. That's odd, what I mean. Odd way. Yeah. 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 Well... With the money from that, from those life insurance policies, Judy was able to open a nail salon and take on a whole new identity. She was able to be a local business owner and empathetic when she needed to be, while also plotting out future killings, because later, detectives would say that her most obvious trait was her narcissism, and that she thought she could get away with everything. And I was just thinking this. I'm like... You know, after one of these scenarios, it's like, you know, maybe the person thinks they can't get away with it. They're getting second, you know, second guessing themselves. But no, she kept going. And that's that's definitely a sign of a serial killer, by the way. Um, But in 1981, Judy finds a new boyfriend, 34 year old businessman, John Gentry. He once described Judy upon seeing her for the first time, saying, quote, Judy was standing at the bar all dressed in black. She wore black quite a lot. A.K.A. the Black Widow. In fact, Uh psychologically, I think that says a lot about her. Okay, Darren, wait a minute. I'm clearly clearly I hate to admit it. I'm Judy. All black at the bar, ward all the time, psychologically I mean, says nothing, something. More factually evidential <laughs> than that, right? Like That's I am where, Judy, yeah. Judy is me. And you're about to and I'm John Gentry, is that what's happening? You're about to collect my life insurance policy? I don't know. Just something to think about, Johnny. Something to think about. Well, about a year after dating, Judy takes a $500,000 life insurance policy out on John Gentry, and she began poisoning John with some orange citrus or vitamin C capsules after he catches a cold. John starts right. to have terrible stomach issues. Uh, became ill and refused to take the orange pills anymore, which infuriated Judy. Six and, months. And, 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 and yeah. Sorry to interrupt, but no, in, go my, ahead. I'm in my research, it's kind of like, you know, he catches a cold and then she's like, take these immune boosters, whatever. But they and aren't typically, the, they aren't that though. They aren't that. We'll learn that they're not that, but they okay. look like that. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, this is sort of just a case of like, uh, a, a boyfriend trusting his girlfriend kind yeah. of thing. Like, you know, and yeah. he didn't know about the five hundred life five hundred thousand dollar life insurance policy. Right. Isn't that the creepiest part about life insurance? Like people could correct take it out and you have no idea. Well, as I said, he started having major stomach issues, became ill, he refused to take those orange pills anymore, which obviously infuriated Judy because six months later in nineteen eighty three she tells John that she is pregnant and convinces him to get married. So now there's a whole other thing going on. Judy was hosting a party. Well, and I the, also think it's yeah. I also think it's interesting that she's playing the long game here. And like six totally. months later, you know, she knows that like she can't do it too quickly, otherwise it's gonna yeah. be very obvious about right. what's going on here. You know? That's a great yeah. observation. Well, Judy was hosting a party one night for one of her uh salon employees at downtown. See she she suggested that was a tough one to say. That yeah. John drive his own car to meet her at the party. In fact, she gave him specific instructions of where to park. No, don't park there. Don't park over here. Don't park anywhere else. Just park in this one spot. Okay? Yeah, you're not allowed to park anywhere else yeah. except this one spot. Well, towards the end of the party, she tells John to go get some champagne and meet her back home. As John leaves to get in his car, he turns on the engine and kablooey, the car yeah. had been firebombed. Um, there were five sticks of dynamite. This, by the way, I mean, this, could this be Avengers? It almost sounds like it could be. There were five sticks of dynamite in the trunk of his car. However, he survived, Darren. 
which is amazing. And thank God he survives, because this is kind of the crux of the case. Now, Detective Ted Chamberlain investigated the case with his partner, Rick Steele. Detectives began Great name, by the way, Rick Steele. Rick Steele. (laughs) Um, And a a future Avenger, probably. Yes, Detectives began to question John and ask him if there's anyone he could think of who would want to hurt him. And John doesn't seem to have any idea, John Gentry, that is, but mentions that he became ill a few months earlier after being provided vitamins provided by Judy. Mm. And when they had those vitamins tested, they said it was paraformaldehyde, which is a chemical used for cleaning utensils in beauty salons. Okay, remember Judy opened up Just opened one, that's right. Police obviously soon discover this $500,000 life insurance policy held on John Drenchy's life, and a search went underway at the home of Judy Buenoano, and evidence was revealed in the room of James, Judy's mm. son, who claimed that he was knocked out during that whole canoeing trip, okay? Oh, right, right, right. So the same kind of wire that was used in James's room was the same kind of wire that was used in Gentry's car to run Mm -hmm. the bomb to the taillights of the car. So police suspected that James or someone close to the family wired Gentry's car at Judy's request. What was also interesting, though, is that Judy was planning an upcoming holiday, a vacation away, without John Gentry. So he was not on the reservation list. She was planning on leaving, okay? That's interesting. Without him, which is a little suspicious. Little suspect. Yeah, definitely. Now this is. detail this detail really opened up Judy's life to police and they began to look into her past loved ones. This made her a suspect, if you will. Yeah, I would say so. It became fairly clear that everyone around Judy kept dying and that she had a master plan in place to collect the insurance proceeds. Detective mm-hmm. Chamberlain said that, quote, Judy didn't like me from the beginning because she knew I was on to her. <laughs> and, and And Chamberlain was relentless and dogged in his hunt to solve this case. And he began to get court orders to exhume the bodies from Judy's previous loved ones. I hate when this has to happen, but sometimes it's for the best, you know. Well, and it provides a lot of evidence that you think is literally buried underground, but can still be exhumed. And all three bodies of James Goodyear, Bobby Mm. Joe Morris, and her son Michael were all exhumed. All three were found to have high levels of arsenic in their bodies. Judy Buenoano was arrested in July of 1983, mm. and her teenage son James was also arrested as an accomplice to the bombing of Gentry's car. But it should be mentioned he was later acquitted at trial. No one can yes. kind of prove that James was part of this. Yeah, that's good to know that he was acquitted. Um, well, yes. Judy was, you know, we'll get to the trial and sentencing now because Judy was tried first for the drowning of her son, Michael. Chamberlain recreated the canoe scene with the potential drowning and finding Michael a quarter mile up the river. And it was enough for the chur- for the jury to be convinced. On March 31st, 1984, Judy Buenoano was found guilty and convicted of first degree murder of Michael Buenoano. Then in October of 1984, Judy stood trial again, and this time was it was for attempted murder of John Gentry. She was convicted. Her third trial began one year later in 1985 for the murder of James Goodyear, but this time she faced the death penalty. Around this yeah. time, the public and press were enthralled with the case and dubbed Judy the Black Widow, a spider known for feeding off her mates and young. Now, this see, is why I, I hate spiders. This, this is, is why I hate spiders. spiders. I know. It's funny that the first show you ever produced, Darren, is one about spiders. I think it's interesting. I can't. Yeah, I, I don't was going to say. Psychological <laughs> fuck uppery that was, but it happened. I was going to say, I thought it was going to be the Black Widow because they're extremely venomous and she was, you know, poisoning her mates, so to speak. But interesting yes. that they also feed off of their mates. I didn't even really think about that. 
Um, well, during the trial, it was noted that Judy was silent, stoic, and angry. At times, she would break and glare at the witnesses on the stand. She denied any guilt or wrongdoing, but it was not enough to outweigh the evidence of arsenic poisoning. I mean, when you exhume the bodies, you know, what is this now, years, months later, whatever. Right. Yeah, and they're all have high levels of arsenic. I mean, come on, there's really no other way to look at this. Well. Judy was found guilty of first-degree murder of James Goodyear. She was sentenced to death by electric chair on November 26, 1985, at the Florida Department of Corrections Broward Correctional Institution. Institution, excuse me. It should be noted that Bueno Ano is acknowledged to have been responsible for the death of her boyfriend, Bobby Joe Morris. However, by the time the authorities made the connection between Judy and Morris, she was already sentenced to death in the state of Florida. Um, so exactly. there was, I guess, so, not a whole trial for him, but because she had already been sentenced, what was the point? Yeah. And like, you know, I kind of, I'm kind of conflicted about this because, yeah. you know, I mean, granted it kind of would have made no, it wouldn't have made any furtherances in her conviction, but at the same time, maybe it would have provided some closure for any sort of family he might've yeah, had. Yeah, totally. But That's what I think. I think, I think taking it away is that the reason that she wasn't was because she had already been sentenced to death. And mm. Judy spent 12 years on Florida's death row and vehemently claimed she was innocent the entire time. Judy told reporters that she was ready for execution, that she was tired from everything she had mm. gone through. On March 30th, 1998, at the age of 54 years old, Jody ate steamed vegetables, fresh strawberries, and hot tea as her last meal, and she was electrocuted by Ugh. the electric chair. She had no final words and refused to admit to anything. And in this doc that I watched a little about her, um, mm. they, they, they talk about this poem that she wrote, uh, I think in prison, if I'm not mistaken, called Masks, which is mm. also oddly appropriate for 2020-2021. But yeah. here, is the, here is the poem. It says, don't be fooled by me. Don't be fooled by the face I wear. For I wear a thousand masks, masks I'm afraid to take off, and none of them are me. Pretending is an art that's second nature to me. But don't be fooled, for God's sake. Don't be fooled. I don't want to so make light the, of this moment, but yeah. I just thought, don't be fooled by the rocks that I got. Rocks that I got. Me I'm too. still... <laughs> Sorry, I had to go there. But it's interesting I'm because... Still, how... I'm still Judy on the block. Judy on, on the, the block. block. Uh-oh. Cell Maybe block. that's where... She, that's Cell where... block. Cell block. I mean... Judy on block, yeah. I don't know what to make of this. I was a creative writing major, Darren, for a long time before I switched my major. And I am, I have a very good analytical eye for poems. So let me take a, let me take this and let it sit with sure. me because I went right to Jennifer Lopez, which I don't think was her intention. Um, and I might give you an update later, but it's interesting how well, many convicted killers end up being artists, by the way. Well, yeah. And for me, you know, even in the line, pretending is an art that's second nature to me, you know, the cops, the police, the investigators ended up saying that it was really her narcissism about getting away with everything. And perhaps that's just one of many masks that she yeah. put on. You know, she could be the doting mother, the doting girlfriend. But behind all of that was a serial yeah. killer who was ready to take out revenge from yeah. potentially this awful childhood she had. And what's interesting here is that Judy's children, the one who remained alive, James and Kimberly, defended her until mm. the very end. It's pretty important to note that. And here's the, you know, maybe not so fun fact. I looked this up. Uh, Judy yeah. was the first woman executed in Florida in 150 years. And wow. she was the first and last woman ever in the state to die by the electric chair. Well, listen, we Darren and I are no strangers. You know, we, we make it very clear how adamantly against the death penalty that we are. The electric chair in particular is so 
inhumane and torturous. I agree. And the, I'm so glad to hear that there were no more after that, at least in Florida. I feel like there probably were more federally maybe after, but you know, the electric there chair were, is just, just not in Florida. Yeah. There yeah. In Florida. It's just such an inhumane way to, to execute somebody. And we can get in, we should do a whole episode on that actually, Darren, one day, but, um, what a crazy story and Darren, great job, by the way, Thank telling you. the story and researching it for us today. Um, so round of applause to you, my friend. What Thank a story, you, though. sweetie. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's a very interesting story. And, I, I, you know, I it made me think of, you know, the Innocence Project, of course. And mm-hmm. we're going to be covering a couple cases over the next month about some Innocence Project cases that I've been keeping tabs on. So we're definitely going to get more into Great. this and probably have more interesting facts. It's certainly about the electric chair and death penalty in general. So be on the lookout for that for sure. Yeah. Um, so. Well. Yeah, sorry. This is go the ahead. End of the episode where we get to fun things. Um, fun things. First, you know, I some some fun things. Um, obviously, we just wanted to thank you, all of you guys, for following us. You can follow me at Carpe Darren, John at J Thrasher, and you can sign up to our Patreon if you are so inclined. We would greatly appreciate it. Being an independent podcast at patreoncom shaken and disturbed. Yes. And we are grateful for you. Yes. Great segue because one of my first listener shout outs this week is for oh. my friend, Darren, my friend, Amanda oh. Lambert, who just recently became a Patreon subscriber. Amanda and I go way back and she's such an awesome person. Darren, I don't know how many of your personal friends have subscribed, but a handful of mine have. And I really appreciate them because, you know, it really helps support the show. You know, in my, in my, um, intro video uh, you know that I posted on Patreon I really wanted to tell everybody and I don't know if it's come through enough that we couldn't be doing this show if it weren't for the exactly. the support so just know that we are very aware of how much it, you know how much you guys have 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 made this show happen and we are forever thankful especially to our close friends like Amanda and others who um love us so much that they just want to help us out on Patreon as well yeah, no, it definitely means a lot to us more than you think. And in fact, I wanted to shout out some of our newest Patreon supporters, our newest patrons, mm. if you will. To this week, I'm going to be shouting out Becca Criswell. Hey, Becca. Hey, Becca. Sarah O'Neill. Oh, Hi, Sarah. Sarah. Stephanie Zwollen. <laughs> great last name. Kelly cool. Corsini. Brittany Hendricks. Hello, cool last name. And Jordan Belter. We really appreciate all of you. Thank you so much for your support. Uh, again, anything counts, and we're, we're very eternally grateful for you all. That's right. So one last shout out here. Jen in our Facebook group had a funny post. Not murder related. My amazing wife surprised me with Taco Bell. We don't live super close to one, but she got me two chalupas, thinking it was a cheesy gordita crunch. Not hating on the chalupas, but it is no cheesy gordita crunch. And Darren, what are your your thoughts for Jen here? Yep. Just yep, Jen. Yep, (laughs) yep, yep. Uh Uh-huh. That's exactly right. Now, listen, I'm not going to hate on a chalupa. Like, if someone brought me a chalupa, I'm not going to spit on it and throw it in their face. (laughs) But if they advertise it as a cheesy gordita and I get a chalupa, that's a whole different... Look out for your life insurance policies, people. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) It's a whole different kind of mental approach, right? If you're eating a chalupa versus a cheesy gordita crunch. 
I That's, couldn't agree yeah. more. Um, yeah. uh, just one other quick shout out that uh, happened right before we started recording. It is tax yeah. season. This people, uh, if you own a business, March 15th is the deadline. If you don't April 15th, but I've been dealing mm. with my accountant and his team <laughs> going back and forth. They have been nothing but helpful. And on this last email that I had to one of the, 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 uh, uh, team member of the accountant, she, mm. I don't want to shout her out in case it's, you know, not yeah. okay, but she, uh, she writes, you know, about taxes, blah, 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 blah. And then she was like, by the way, loving, shaken, and disturbed from a oh true crime God. fan to another. Like, I really appreciate it. I just want to shout her out. Thank you. Wow, that made me thanks. feel so good. Uh, In that case, she's going to get you. No, I was going to say, she's yes. going to get you a huge refund, right? That's what you're asking for here. Well, that's really what I'm hoping for with this <laughs> shout out. But uh, right, let's not let her right. lose her job either. But no, seriously, thank no, you for yeah. listening. Um, and we really appreciate it. You know who you are. If it's tax. Right. It's tax and vax season, if you will. You it know, is we got tax and vax season. Taxes. We got is. vaccines. Let's make it happen. Well, yes. um, please rate and review and subscribe to Shaken to Distur- and Disturbed wherever you listen to podcasts. Darren, I want to just say this. It's not going to last long because of how it works, but we are at a five-star rating right now on oh. iTunes, and I don't know who's – I mean, it's we've got hundreds of reviews from you guys listening – I was stunned when I saw this. So thank you guys so much for thank the you. high thank reviews. You. Yeah, it's amazing. No, we we really appreciate literally all of you. It has been just for fun sure. doing this. And we're going to come back with more yes. uh, cases next week. Of course, again, join us on Patreon for all kinds of fun bonus content and goodies. We're going to be recording our bonus episode this month next week, which I'm very yes. excited about. Again, you can join at patreon.com slash shaken and disturbed or click the link in our show notes. And we love you all so very much. Oh my God. I was so going to say much. that. I was going to say, really? I love you guys. Yeah. Well, I we love can both love. Spread the mom love, and, baby. Mom and dad love you guys. Get get good sleep and do all your schoolwork, and we'll see you next yeah, time. Eat, and eat right, and we'll see you <laughs> next week, okay? All right, all right. Love Bye. you guys. Bye. Bye.